This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome again to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. This is the podcast that gives you a little inside look into how entrepreneurs built and grew their digital marketing agencies. I am Tabitha Thomas, your host. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, can I just go encourage you to hit that subscribe button as we release new episodes each and every Tuesday. So let's jump on into today's episode. Today, I have with me Ruben Schwartz. Ruben is the founder of Memorin and the chief nerd of the Sales for Nerds podcast and community. Now, Ruben helps expert consultants who love serving clients but hate selling and marketing get more clients without being salesy, and we want to know exactly how that works. So, Ruben, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Tabitha. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you. So, before we dive into Memorin and Sales for Nerds, let's back way up to your time with Trilogy Software. You did a little bit of everything in regards to their pricing tech. Uh, Can you give us a brief rundown of your time there? and uh, maybe some things you learned before going into business for yourself? Sure. Gosh, that was such a long time ago now. But I remember coming down. I never thought I would set foot in Texas if I didn't fly down for the interview one weekend. And I thought I should- So where are you originally from? I grew up in Massachusetts. I was going to school in New Jersey. And I remember, you know, when you're in college, the idea of getting on a plane and staying in a hotel for a weekend sounds really amazing. And in mm-hmm. fact, it sounds amazing right now because we're not allowed to go anywhere. Exactly. But, you know, after a while, I was like, why, why did that seem so appealing? But at the time, it seemed really appealing. I remember thinking, I will never visit Texas. I should do it while someone else is paying for it. And I got here. I was like, oh, Austin's pretty cool. This company's really cool. I like the people. I have no idea what they do. Something for big businesses that I don't understand at all, but let me go check it out. And I started as a developer and I was writing code that would process billions of dollars of transactions for these giant companies. And I didn't really care about why they were doing it. I just wanted to make the code run faster and do what it was supposed to do. And I would get these weird requests from the people who actually deployed this to the customers. And I was like, oh, you know, that's kind of interesting. I wonder why they want that. That sounds really weird. And over time, I realized that the interesting stuff was not actually the code. It was actually the people and the organizations and trying to fit all these different components together. And so I was a little bit burnt out out after four years of this. And I thought, now that I kind of understand a little bit of the business side of things and the technology, instead of going in, because what would often happen with us is McKinsey or somebody would deliver a report and that would turn into an RFP. And then we would come in and do a bake-off in three years and two reorgs later. We had done some things, but it was kind of like everyone had worked really hard, but it wasn't lined up very well. And I thought if, if I can... Um, actually understand the strategy and the business process and the tools, we don't have to work as hard and spend as much money, but we can get better results because everyone will be in alignment. And I was like, well, I'm going to travel half the time and I'm going to work half the time because I have no obligations and, and nothing's going on. And, and it wasn't that I was some business entrepreneurial genius by any means. It was literally me think it kind of like how I got to Texas. Here I am mm-hmm. 20 some years later. It's like, if I don't do this now, I'll never do this. And so I did it. And of course, the plan was a complete failure because I was usually either working or trying to find work. And I did get to go to some really awesome places, but I wasn't traveling half the year. And so uh, that's kind of how I fell into entrepreneurship completely accidentally. 
yeah. So the desire to travel. So do you consider yourself a Texan now that you've been there for, would you say 27 years now? I think it's 23 years. And Hmm. I think, I think I I am, I I have cowboy boots. I don't have a hat. Um, (laughs) but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I officially qualify. You qualify. I like it. And Austin's a great city to, to end up in if you're going anywhere in Texas. So, so you went straight from Trilogy to Miriam and Memorin. I'm going to screw that up a billion times. So you correct me every time I do it. Memorin. And uh, you seem to be crushing, the, crushing it there ever since. So what made you want to switch it up? I mean, was it just the desire to travel or was there something else to it? Well, I was burned out of like the, that the whole dot-com million miles an hour thing it just, it didn't sit right with me, even though I learned how to play that kind of game, I guess. I felt like sometimes we weren't taking care of our customers as well as we should have because we were so focused on our own growth. Mm-hmm. And in fairness, the customers often weren't taking very good care of us. I just felt like everyone was working hard and going after what they wanted, but they couldn't coordinate with other people that would actually in a way that would make it easier for them to get what they wanted. Gotcha. And I thought, you know, being young and naive, I thought, well, I've got a better way to do this. And in some cases it worked out and in some cases it didn't, but I really thought that we could deliver similar gains to people just if we could bring everyone together on the same page. Yeah. And the thing that was funny was the more I did this, the less I became concerned with sort of my coding background and fancy algorithms and AI optimizations and crunching numbers. And the more I realized it was about getting people in the room to agree on stuff. Hmm. And then the other funny thing was here I am doing sales and marketing consulting for some of the biggest companies on the planet. And we can't do sales and marketing to save our own. We can't sell our way out of a paper bag and we're pretty much dependent on referrals. And I tried so many different things and I, you know, I took trainings and I read books and I tried to, I implemented CRMs and we sponsored conferences and trade shows and we kind of did all the stuff and flailed around. And I would kind of go through these cycles of, oh, maybe this other thing will work. And oh, no, it didn't. Okay, now I'm going to be, be upset for a while and just say, forget it, it's all referrals. And then I'm going to go up the roller coaster on the other end and say, no, I got to do something. And it was just, just years of painful experiences. And I realized that so much of how we think of sales and marketing is really not set up for small services firms, Mm -hmm. especially when the person doing the sales and marketing is also the person doing the delivery. And for a long time, I felt victimized, like, oh, you know, this isn't fair. They've got full-time salespeople. They've got full-time marketing people. They've got big budgets and whatever. They know way more about sales than me because I'm busy taking care of the client. And it took me forever to realize, no, actually, being the person who takes care of the client is a sales superpower. Uh-huh. It doesn't have to be a negative. It's, it's hugely positive. And the stuff that I need to learn about sales, which I'm ignorant of, which is important, is much easier to catch up on than the years of expertise actually delivering value to people. Yeah, because you have an insight into what your customers really want and what they really need. And that that is a, definitely a superpower. So you talked a little bit about, you know, the, the rough years. So what did the first six months to a year look like for Memorin? Uh, what hurdles do you wish you had known about going into it that maybe you want to help people avoid now that you're, uh, that you're further along? Well, it's really funny because I did all the stuff 
wrong. And, and, and now I, I kind of give that pep talk to people. It's like, Hey, if you start a new business, everyone that you know that you care about should know what you're doing. You don't have to pitch them or sell them or do anything. They should just be aware that you started a business that kind of functions in this area. And I didn't do that. And it's amazing to me how many people will start a business. They're making maybe the biggest bet of their life outside of their spouse and they don't tell anybody. So why do you feel like you didn't tell anybody? What was the reasoning or you probably didn't even think in that moment, but what was the reason for not telling anyone? Well, and it wasn't like it was a secret. I just didn't want to be salesy or marketing and I didn't know how to do that stuff anyway. And I had a hard time. I think the the big thing that that I realized was I I was good at doing the actual client work, which I think is where a lot of us are. And that's why we do what we do because we want to help the clients. And then we shift into sales mode and marketing mode. And at least for me, it was very awkward. It's like, oh, I'm being inauthentic. I'm, I'm going to impersonate a salesperson. I used to have this rack of, of sales books on this bookshelf back here. And it was really, I realized later it was because the people who buy these books and who buy the sales training, they're the folks with the thousand person sales team. And it is a numbers game for them, right? They're just going to churn through a bunch of reps and, and a third of them are going to be great. And two thirds of them are going to get pushed out in two years and they just keep repeating. And that works at scale. But if you have a solo or a tiny firm, that strategy doesn't work for you numerically and it doesn't work for you psychologically, right? You have to actually care about what you're doing. And I would go and I would have these great conversations with people. And as soon as I shifted to sales mode in my head, it would all go sideways. And I realized after a while, I'm just not going to sell because I suck at selling. I don't like it. And that's really my own stereotypical view of sort of the Glengarry Glenn Ross salesperson. Because I realized later that all the really successful salespeople are actually great. They, they have all the qualities I admire. May, they may or may not be technically proficient, but they care a lot about their customer's success. But in my head, I was like, selling is, selling is about me getting what I want. It's not about helping them get what they want. So why don't I just stop selling and start helping? Mm-hmm. If I was talking to a friend, how would I handle this, right? I wouldn't push my solution. I would figure out what they really need. And I would actually ask a lot more questions. I'd be a lot nosier than I was being with some of my prospects because I would care so much that they got to the result that they needed. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did that, I'm not going to say I became this a salesperson overnight, but it completely changed the way I interacted with prospects. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So Memorin is a CRM that provides or prides itself on helping people market and sell more without being salesy, like we just discussed. So right. how does that work? Can you walk me through your actual process? Sure. And the CRM didn't come till much later. And and it really, it wasn't even supposed to be a CRM. It was first, it was just a way for me to automate proposals because I hated not knowing if people had read my proposals, mm. you know, and they're calling and leaving the voicemail like, Hey, just wondering if you got, you have any questions? And, and then you feel and, like that annoying salesperson. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and then you don't know, you know, is this project going to start when they said it was going to start? Do I need to keep that time on my calendar for that project? Do I need to have people ready f- to be there or is it, who knows what's going right. So I realized as a technical person, if I put this thing in the cloud, I could at least know when people are reading it. Mm-hmm. And that actually worked great. I remember, still remember the first time I sent a proposal through my system. I wasn't thinking of it as a tool to sell to somebody else. It was just a way to keep me sane. 
And then I was like, oh gosh, you know, maybe some other people would like this. Yeah. And then they started asking, hey, this is great. Now that the end of my sales process is automated, what can we do at the front of the, of the sales uh, funnel to get more leads in? And I never thought I would do anything with that. I was just like the techie person talking to a bunch of consultants who maybe weren't techie. So I was like, well, let me go do some research for you. And I realized that kind of like the sales books, the lead gen tools were really designed for other sets of people. They're designed for folks who are selling a digital product or something where you can just get an email address, you blast a bunch of emails at them and eventually they click add to cart. Mm -hmm. Or they're designed for a big sales team that's calling people, you know, 100, 200 people a day, and it's a numbers game. But what if you're a small services firm, you don't need that many leads, you can't even handle that many clients at once, but each one is potentially really valuable, mm -hmm. and you need to have a conversation with them to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, wait a second. I have this way to create content, to share it online, to notify you when someone's reading it. What if instead of just using this for proposals and contracts and whatever, we could also create lead magnets with this? And I was like, oh, you know, that, that, that seems pretty good. And then people said, hey, this is great. You know what? I can get my leads off my site. Never got them before. Now, that, now I actually get leads and I can drop them in my CRM. And when it's time, I can, I can process them and send them a proposal. But, but gosh, I hate my CRM can you make Mimmer and do the CRM stuff? And I said, no, the world doesn't need another CRM. That would be crazy. Why would I do that? Right? Why would I inflict that on myself and on you? And then, you know, I, I started realizing that as usual, my customers are right. And a lot of the, the CRMs, they're not built for people like us either. They're built for people doing a bunch of marketing automation or they're built for big sales teams they are not built for the solo or the small firm where the person selling is also doing the delivery where you don't have all day to make calls, but gosh, you'd really like to stay connected to your network. Mm -hmm. You'd really like to get leads and so on. You'd like to be able to track your referrals. And I remember talking to somebody who was using Salesforce, which is an amazing tool for the right class of company, but it's, it's like trying to fly the space shuttle if you're a tiny firm and it doesn't do things like, Hey, let me see who's referred me how much business. Like yeah. you can make it do that if you've got someone to program it, but it doesn't just do that for you. Or mm -hmm. who should I call next? Let me call them. Right? Mm -hmm. Like these are the things that occupied me as somebody who has to do the, the, the selling slash helping, but also the delivery, right? I'm not there running, uh, a hundred person or a thousand person sales team. So I was like, okay, you're right. There's a better way to do this for this tribe of people. Let's make it a CRM for, and I call it the CRM for people who hate selling because that that's, that's me and that's my tribe. So that's probably a little bit more long winded than you wanted. But the idea is let's make it really simple to keep track of the stuff that we need to do. Like, who do I call now? Instead of staring at a list of the 500 people that I know I should be calling, here's the one person that you should call. You call them, you enter your notes, you hit save, and it takes you to the next one. And I went from struggling to make a handful of calls a day to I can make 10 or 20 calls. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's lunchtime. I, I, I completely missed it. And I'm pretty introverted. And I spent years hating making calls forcing myself to do it, then stopping because I hated it so much. And now it's like, I never make a cold call. And I just connect with people I want to talk to or people who 
leave their number when they grab something off my website. I have mm -hmm. great conversations and I don't feel like I'm ever in sales mode. Yeah. So it's fun. I was like, holy crap, I didn't realize this could be fun. And one of the things that, that I think is hard, especially when you're a service oriented person, we get this image of, we got to grind it out with the sales and marketing. It's a necessary evil. And I know I spent a long time in that little mental prison. And my new view of it is if it's not fun, you're probably not doing it right. And I don't mean that like every single moment is going to be super awesome. They're like the most amazing fun you'd ever have. But generally it should be fun to do sales and marketing if you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And I'm in the same boat. I hate doing sales, hate doing sales. And you're right. If it feels like that, then I'm not doing something right. <laughs> but I bet you love helping people. I love talking to people and helping people. So yeah, that's perfect. That's all you need. Yeah. So very true. So very true. So do you feel that over the last 19 years with Memorin that you've perfected the process or do you feel like you're still constantly learning new techniques and tips and things kind of shift as, as the time changes? I don't think, I, I hope, one of my hopes as a curious person is that learning never ends. I don't think it's ever done. Um, I do think that the, the mindset changes are the biggest thing, right? Switching mm -hmm. from selling to helping, from marketing to teaching, from networking to connecting. And then once you see the world in that way, everything gets a lot easier. It's like, I'm not swimming upstream constantly. I'm not ending my day when I do my business development time with like my tension in my, I used to just be tense. I could feel it in my back, right? Like I yeah. hated doing this stuff. And now I'm like, this is fun. It's, it's just part of my day. I get, I actually get energy from it, which is really weird as an introvert. Well, I have to say that somebody that does code and the back end of things and the fact that you're doing the front end of things as well is so different because you don't see a lot of people that, you know, code things that actually communicate well with people. <laughs> so let me just commend you on that because I've, I've worked with both ends of things and I always say, they always, I always said that I, I, I speak geek because I can speak to the geeks and then translate that to human, human talk. <laughs> So the fact that you uh, do both is, um, is something to be commended for sure. So. Well, thank you. And it's, it's nice because I'm somebody who like, not only am I selling this, I'm user number one. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was built to scratch my own itch or when I'm talking to other people, right. We'll be saying, hey, you know, how should the screen work? I'm frustrated that this button is confusing or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you're so right. And so, and then I can just go fix it. Yeah. And so there's a really tight loop on what happens and, and sort of polishing things to try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. That, and that. it also is like, I would get bored, I think, if I was sitting behind my desk all day, never talking to people. But mm -hmm. then if I was just talking to people and I could never like actually change anything, that would be frustrating too. And I get to do both. So I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> That's a good balance for both. So what would you say has been the biggest challenge you faced on your path to becoming a successful entrepreneur? Well, and you know, successful is, is a matter of, of uh, perception, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think we tend to think of it in terms of, you know, are you Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos or something like that? Or a dollar and, sign behind it. Yeah. Right. Dollar sign and sort of like sort of some kind of prestige and power and whatever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that journey. But for most of us who are 
building smaller services firms, that's not the path that we're on. Mm -hmm. And I think getting to wake up every day and do something that's meaningful for people is pretty awesome. My wife's a doctor, so she does much more meaningful stuff than I do. But <laughs> yeah, especially but like, right now, right? Yeah. But I like that I get to go help people. And, and some of those things that I struggled with, that I can now kind of unlock people from that little box we put around our own heads. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, sorry, I didn't even answer your question. But What was the um, biggest challenge? That was the the, the challenge was. is always enough time. Like, yeah. is there enough time of the day? And that is the downside to wearing a lot of hats and, and sort of having your, your hands and everything is uh, you've got to ruthlessly prioritize your time, especially with COVID and my kids aren't in school and we got a Corona poppy. So I spent like first month, I didn't sleep properly. Um, right. And then, then, you know, you're sort of counting on having your routine uh -huh. to, to keep everything going and, and, you know, you don't necessarily have as much, um, it, it, it it's been a challenge. I, yeah. I, I won't kid anybody. Time is always, always time. Yeah. Time, definitely time. So let's talk about the podcast a little bit. What made you want to actually create and start a podcast besides just the love of talking to people? Well, and I don't think I even had that love when I started the podcast. That was oh. part of what helped me the, the podcast and then some stuff I built into the CRM really changed the way I interact with people. Okay. Tell me a so, little bit about that. Well, I'm, I'm an introvert. And so uh -huh. being a technologically minded introvert, it was easy for me to use technology to avoid talking to people. And I was like, this is great. Mm -hmm. I don't have to talk to people. I can send them an email or whatever. And I realized later that I actually really like talking to people. I like having conversations. I just kind of want to have it on my terms. I like one-on-one -on -one conversations. I don't like going to giant conferences. Um, you know, I like, I like being able to actually learn something and connect with the other person. And uh, a bunch of us small business owners, we were on our annual business planning summit and we were just kind of unwinding at the end of the day. We're having some wine. We're talking about random business stuff. And somebody, I don't know if it was me or somebody else, or we just sort of bubbled up from the conversation. You know, if we were a bunch of millennials, we would monetize this as a YouTube channel, right? Like a uh -huh. bunch, of, bunch of jerks drink wine and, and talk about business. Yeah. And it's too bad we're not millennials and we're, cause we're not clever enough to do that. And at the same time, I realized I was getting a lot of questions from people like, Hey, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain about whatever? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was the same stuff over and over again. And it's like, I want to be helpful. I want to talk to people, but this isn't necessarily a great use of my time. I should just write a book that kind of answers all these questions. Be like, here's the book, go to town. And then I was like, gosh, a book sounds like an awful lot of work. And so <laughs> when we were having this conversation about the YouTube thing, I was like, oh, you know, what if I combine the ideas here and have a podcast where I bring a bottle of wine to your office when I interview you and we drink the bottle of wine and we have a great time. And so that was the the genesis of the podcast idea. And I thought, you know, instead of just hearing Ruben talk about this stuff, there's other people who have been through similar journeys of going from hating sales and marketing to actually being good at it. Let's, let's bring everyone's stories together. And even though you'll probably appreciate this, even though I knew I was doing this, it took me six months from the time I formulated this idea to invite my first guest. Well, like, with an I'm, introvert, that makes sense because it's like, oh, I don't know that. Yeah, I want to. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not sure if it, I want to do this or not. <laughs> well, and it was that that perfectionism 
right? Oh, like yeah. I'm not ready yet. I don't have the right audio recording equipment. I don't have whatever, right? Yeah. And finally, I was like, this is just embarrassing. It's like, it's been six months. Let me just do this. And so I sent this, this long email to Jason Cohen, the founder of WP Engine here in Austin, who's got a brilliant blog uh, at a smart bear. If, if you're interested in, in uh, sort of consulting blogs, it's a great one for your listeners. Um, and, I, and I'm a customer of WP Engine. And I was like, you know, I'm a customer and blah, blah, blah. Had this concept of, I bring a bottle of wine and we talk about, blah, would love to get your story. Love, you know, like hearing you speak. Big fan of what you're doing at WP Engine. All this stuff, right? Like, like anybody he, tells me they're bringing me a bottle of wine, I'm going to say yes. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. He wrote back five minutes later, you had me at wine. Here's a link to my calendar. And and we spent like two hours talking and we only stopped because we ran out of wine and it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, the audio quality is terrible and all that stuff that, that happens when you, you get started yeah. in an amateur way. But it was a great experience. I heard so many positive things from people who listened to it. And it's just been kind of a fun thing. It was hard to say, if it wasn't 10 a.m., maybe that's something I need to incorporate into mine. Okay, we both need to have a drink to be able to have this conversation. But, you know, alas, it's not noon yet. <laughs> Well, and I'm not trying to encourage alcoholism. It's just like, it's, I do want to have a serious business conversation, but I want it to feel like a couple of friends are sitting down together and discussing things. I love it. Instead of, you know, a lot of these, these business podcasts, you kind of sound like you're listening to, to, you know, CNN business or something like that. It's just like a little bit too formal, formal. Yeah too formal and you the way you describe it you know having a conversation with friends that's exactly how I want this one to be so uh I love that you do that so do you go, do you still do it the same way do you still go to people with a bottle of wine and have those conversations or is it changed especially now since all this COVID crap is hit yeah uh, so I mean it, it, when I do meet people in person and actually had to we had a a, a thing we were supposed to do that that got rescheduled because of covid here in town and so we're like well let's just wait and see what happens yeah. like it's not urgent um but a lot of the interviews are remote anyway and then you have to be yob gotcha gotcha see i love it i love the concept yeah. so so you talk about uh three mindset sh mindset shifts that you talk about uh for selling and marketing to make those things work so what are those three mindset shifts well, we talked a little bit about shifting from selling to helping, mm -hmm. which I think is probably the most important one. And I think really intuitive, right? Like we put up all these obstacles in our own mind once we start referring to things as selling and thinking we have to act like a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you get all tensed up and it tensed gets up, awkward. Yeah. And you would never talk to your friends that way if you were trying to help them solve a problem. So yeah, you have to be professional and, and you have certain obligations and money has to change hands at some point, but it doesn't mean that we can't help. And my view is I still hate selling. I just want to make it easy for people to buy when they want to yeah. buy, right? We all like to buy when, when we want something. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be sold. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, how do we make sure that we're having these conversations where some reasonable amount of them turn into clients instead of marketing and bragging about how great we are, let's teach people about what, how to solve their problems. Again, it comes from sort of the mindset of I'm serving you. It's about mm -hmm. you. I'm here to help. And selfishly, that's actually where I get the enjoyment from, right? Like I don't get a bunch of enjoyment saying, Hey, I'm awesome. Look at us. We're, we're amazing. 
I get enjoyment from helping people solve their problems anyway. And I think there's so many of us who are in that service mindset where you can teach people about how to help solve their problems all day long. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you call it marketing, they freeze up, their websites are terrible. There's nothing for them, for visitors to do. It, it looks like everyone else's crappy website. But if you have that conversation with them, they're amazing. And you understand why people refer them business and so on. And then the other one is so many of these uh, folks in this tribe, they're, they're, business is based on referrals and networking as we mm -hmm. call it networking is another thing i was like oh my god i hear i'm supposed to do this but it's terrible i hate it um and i still hate it but i love connecting with people and it's and so, funny how just one word change can just completely alter your feelings and your body language and everything about you just just one word change it's almost the same thing just a change in word yeah and especially now that, that in-person networking is, is, let's just say, challenging, connecting is really important. And one of the things that I realized was I love, oh, I ran into so-and-so at the store. This is back when you ran into people at the store, right? And we had a great, I hadn't seen them in five years. We had a great conversation. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, somebody called me out of the blue because they had read something or whatever. And we had a great, it was like, I realized that so many of us were, we don't have enough time in the day and it's really hard to maintain those non-urgent relationships. Mm -hmm. But that's really where a lot of business comes from. It's where a lot of sort of great psychological energy comes from. And I think so many of us are, are running at hundred miles an hour constantly that we don't spend the time. We don't feel we have the time to maintain those relationships and strengthen them. And that was kind of the genesis actually of me saying, okay, we need a CRM because those things are important yeah. and we should be using technology not to avoid conversations, but to facilitate them. So true. So true. So what you talked about a minute ago, just how much you love helping people. So what has been your favorite or most successful story throughout your career so far, as far as helping someone else through, through their struggles? I don't know. Uh, that that's, that sounds like awfully lot like thing. tooting my horn or, or trying to choose your favorite child. That's what it feels like. <laughs> right. But one thing that I always remember is I have a, a, a long time client, one of the first people to use what's now the CRM. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, she does great work for her clients. She's built a great team, all the usual stuff. But I felt like a lot of us, she was undervaluing what she did. And so my background in pricing, I was like, hey, you need to raise your prices. And went through this whole conversation about how, you know, she told, told me what she did and what, it, what, what it would, and I was like, well, that doesn't translate into what you're putting in your proposals, right? It, it needs mm -hmm. to be higher. And so we had a, a little pap talk and she went and immediately raised prices across the board 30% and didn't lose any clients. Uh, everything was great. I'm not saying she, you know, she didn't switch billing on existing projects, yeah, of course, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. everything that went out from that forward. point forward was, yeah. was higher. And then she called me a couple months later and said, Hey, I want to thank you for my new deck. <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. Right? Like, yes, there's something that, that she'd been looking forward to doing and, and she hadn't felt like quite comfortable enough to do it. And then, you know, she started asking for closer for, to what she was worth and she got a new deck out of it. That's pretty nice. It's something tangible you can look at. I did this because of that. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of it is, even when I was doing the stuff for the Fortune 500 people, 
I'd go in and everyone would say, oh, we're the most messed up organization you've ever seen. It's a disaster. Oh my goodness. And it was like, I just tell people, you can lay down on my couch. First thing you need to know is you're not alone, right? Like everyone has these problems. There are reasons we have them. And of course, I couldn't see that for myself, right? I thought I was just an idiot because I couldn't do sales and marketing. And it turns mm -hmm. out no, there's reasons for why I struggle. And there's a lot of folks who are in that bucket. So step one is just, hey, you're not alone. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person because you're not, you know, a sales rock star or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just means you need a different mindset, a different way to think about these things. So very true. So very true. So do you have any other projects that you're working on at the moment or anything that you're looking forward to in the coming year? Well, it all kind of ties around my main mission of how do I prevent people from having to learn stuff the hard way like I did, mm -hmm. right? There's so, there's a much easier way to do this. And so from the CRM to the podcast, uh, uh, it's all about how do we make it easy for folks? And what I've been doing recently with COVID is, is doing virtual boot camps for sales and marketing boot camps for people. Okay. And that's been a lot of fun. It's kind of like, hey, we all know we should go to the gym. We all know we should do business development, but we kind of hate it. Um, and especially when you're locked in your house, it's really hard to work out or do the business development stuff where we know what we're supposed to do. But if I can bring people together as a group, suddenly you got a workout buddy and we're kind of mm -hmm. doing stuff together. And it's, and it's, uh, it's been fun and helpful for people. So I'm, I'm pretty jazzed about that. Awesome. So one of the things that I, I love asking people, is there anything that you're currently reading or listening to that's helping you grow as an entrepreneur? I see a whole bookshelf behind you. So surely there's one back there that, <laughs> that uh, you would highly recommend for our audience. Well, it's funny. Um, I've got my, my National Geographic's going along there. So that's, that's the one thing that I keep up with more or less regularly. Um, I love and, that. My grandmother collected those. And so when she passed away, I was like, they're like, what do you want from grandma? I'm like the national geographics. That's what I want. They are, they're timeless. You can never get rid of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that, which of course is completely different than, you know, mm -hmm. direct entrepreneurial stuff. But I think at the same time, it's helpful to step out of that entrepreneurial mindset for a second and understand that there's this broader world with all kinds of interesting stuff going on. Um, I do think it's one of those books that I wish I'd had when I was starting my practice. It's the Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients by David A. Fields, who was a guest on Sales for Nerds. It's a fantastic book. Uh, highly recommend that. Yeah, got it. Good. Great. So if you could sum, and I hate asking these questions sometimes, if you could sum up everything you've learned about sales and marketing in a one thought, what would it be? I think if you can help other people get what they want, everything gets a lot easier. So help, don't sell, teach, don't market, connect, don't network. Great. It's wonderful. So where can our viewers learn more about you and Memorin? Well, you can go to Mimarin.com. And as we talked about earlier, it's a really tough name to spell and pronounce, but M-I-M-I-R-A-N.com. And if you're interested in the CRM, you can use the uh, Digital Agency Insiders code DAI10 to save 10%. And if you're interested in the podcast, check it out at salesfernerds.io or wherever you listen to find podcasts. All right. Well, Ruben, thanks so much for being on the show. I've enjoyed getting to know you and your story and learning that you're now an official Texan. <laughs> 
some people in Texas might say I live in Austin and therefore I'm not an official Texan. So it oh. depends who you ask. What part of the what part of Texas? It's its own country itself down right. there. So yes. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And guys, we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for having me, Tabitha. You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.